This is Thursday, January 13th. Now, each year, the U.S. Memory Championships are held to determine the person with the best memory in the country. I'm not making this up. There's an organization in the United States that is for those who want to build strong memory. Now, just to qualify, the contestants have to memorize 117 names and faces in 15 minutes and memorize as many digits as they can within five minutes. Those digits are organized in rows with 20 digits and 25 rows on each page. Then they're given a deck of cards with the cards in random order. This event is timed with a stopwatch. They must memorize the order of the cards and then they are given a fresh unused deck they must put in the order of the first deck they studied. Then finally, they have to memorize an unpublished poem. They must reproduce the poem as it was given to them. All the words, the punctuation, the sweat, spelling, and everything. Okay, I am exhausted just thinking about this test. And it's just the qualifier. Now the fact that some people can complete these tasks absolutely amazes me. I can cross the house and on the way forget what I went in search of. How, many, how can they memorize those pages of numbers? Now in the ancient world, memory was a, the primary tool of education. We're told that when Augustine came to faith in Christ and started into ministry, he asked if he could take off a year from the work so that he could memorize the entire Bible. His superior only gave him a summer, so Augustine memorized the entire New Testament. I'm not making that up either. Now, we use our brains in different ways, but we understand the mission of the teacher in the book of Ecclesiastes. Here's what he says. And I applied my heart to know wisdom, to know madness and folly. I perceive that this also is but a striving after wind. That's Ecclesiastes 1.17. Now, as we've learned this week, the teacher thought he could, with knowledge, solve the riddle of the meaning of life. But this was just not possible. One reason for this is that in the language the teacher uses, he lives under what he calls the sun, under the sun. And what he means is that our world is a closed system. We might learn everything in our world, but we cannot know what lies outside our world unless someone reveals it to us. So if we want to know God or the ways of God or the purposes of God, we're going to feel stuck. We can only know God if he reveals himself to us. And we also cannot know the reason God made the world in us, how he made us and what our destiny is. All of those explanations come from outside our world. God must come to us and reveal himself and his truth. Now, of course, we might assert that our world is some sort of comic, cosmic um, accident and that we're here by chance. But there's no way to prove any of this either. If we believe that, we'd have to explain why there's something rather than nothing. Now, this is the good news that scripture teaches. First, God reveals himself to various people, to Abraham, Samuel, to David, to Sarah, to Moses, and to many others. 
but they only know the Lord as he makes himself known to them. At one point, the Lord explains this to Moses. He says, it says, God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and Jacob as God Almighty, but by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. That's Exodus chapter 6, verse 2 to 3. Yes, the Lord did not reveal himself to the patriarchs with his personal name, only to Moses, as we are told here. You see, it's only by revelation that we can learn God's purposes and all that he's made and done. We learn of God not because we can gather information and knowledge. Our knowledge cannot pierce the veil between our world and God. God must make himself known. And of course, he has done this in Jesus. Here's the book of Hebrews explaining. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our forefathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. That's Hebrews 1, 1 to 3. Yes, only in Jesus can we come to know the true and living God. Jesus reveals to us the person of God, the character of God, and the plan of God. Now, I want to return to the U.S. Memory Championship for a moment. You see, after the contestants make it past the qualifying round, one of the three memory tasks they're left with is this. They have 15 minutes to hear and review facts about six strangers. The names, the addresses, the phone numbers, pets' names, hobbies, cars, favorite food, a whole raft of information about each of them. And then they're given an oral exam to test what they remember. But here's the thing. These are only facts about these strangers. They do not come to know them personally. They only hear about them. And this is our problem with even learning about God. You see, we do not simply want to know about God and his plan. We want to know him personally. And then we want to live in his plan. And that's also his purpose. Yes, we might pass a knowledge test, but still not really know God. And this is why the Christian faith is like nothing in the world. First, God comes to us and reveals himself to us. Second, he comes in person so that we can really know him and have fellowship with him. Listen to the words of the prophet Jeremiah. Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his strength. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him boast, he who boasts, boast about this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord. That's Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 22 to 23. Let's pray together. Holy and gracious God, we could not know you, but you've made yourself known in Jesus. You have come to us, and you have come for us. Lead us, we pray, by your Holy Spirit, so that we might live out of your purposes for us and our world. For we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.